Do you love superheroes? What about Dungeons and Dragons? Well, lucky for you, Capes and Crooks is now live. It utilizes the 5th edition rule set of the world's greatest RPG with its own unique twist. You can now take on the role of a superhero or villain and completely customize your character with unique origins, roles, powers, and alter egos. With a group of friends and a bit of imagination, you will strike out on dangerous missions and terrifying challenges from stopping menial bank robbers to handling deadly hostage negotiations to slaying monstrosities created from a mad scientist experiment. You will also have to deal with the realities of a law and order society that doesn't look kindly to those with powers. Capes and Crooks contains a world setting, character creation rules, equipment, powers, enhancements, and so much more. If you're looking for a comprehensive character creation experience, then you need to check out Capes and Crooks. There will always be good and evil, light and dark. There will always be capes and crooks. Pick it up now over at CritAcademy.com. World-shaking events in Dungeons & Dragons move the story and campaign forward. Join us as we talk 10 world-shaking events to leave your setting and players trembling. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. I am super excited for today. I don't know about you, but D&D is my passion, so of course... That's an understatement. <laughs> uh-huh. So of course I'm always doing whatever I can to learn more and educate myself. Um, when I was a D&D insider for 4th edition, I collected all kinds of their digital magazines... And one of them I was reading, uh, and I wanted to talk about this topic so much. Um, Ten world-shaking events for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, the concept comes from Dragon Magazine 430. Um, if you can Google it and find it, it's a really great read. You should do that. But in the meantime, we're going to talk and give you our thoughts and, and feelings on the topic. Yeah. Brandon, why don't you get us started? Oh, when we think of world-shaking events, we tend to think big. Wars that pit the forces of good against evil in a final confrontation. Uh, natural disasters that lay waste to an entire civilizations. <laughs> Invasions of vast armies or extraplanar hordes. Oh, that sounds awesome. The assassinations of world leaders. These are the events that title the chapters of history. And in any story, whether it's a book or a movie... Um, there is a variety of different ways that these events occur. It's not just the most obvious, you know, like cataclysmic, but nope. they're big enough that they become, um, they change the world in some way. And our D&D world shouldn't be any different. Even if it doesn't directly involve the characters right away, the results should. So these are in no particular order, but we're going to start with uh, the rise of a leader. In dramatic stories, a new leader's rise often comes at the end of a period of struggle or turmoil, right? Sometimes it's a war or an uprising. Other times it's an election. <coughs> 2016. The death of a tyrant. <laughs> no politics. <laughs> right. Uh, policy. Uh, that's more a moral decision. The, po uh, <laughs> the prophecy fulfilled or an appointment of a hero. Conversely, the new leader might be a tyrant, might be incompetent, might be a fiend, or black-hearted villain, and the era that just ended could have been one of peace, tranquility, and justice. Cheers. What are some cheers? What are some really good examples, whether in your favorite cult, pop culture, your game, whatever, where the rise of a leader shook the world in that setting? Oh, shit. The Queen in uh, Game of Thrones. Which one? No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. It's been It's been out since forever. Oh, well, okay. I guess that's fine. Uh, um, what's her face? 
I don't know. Uh, the blonde who was put out to the street. Shame! Shame! Oh, that was Cersei. Cersei, yeah, her. Okay. And then there's Daenerys Targaryen, and then Daenerys there's Sansa Stark. How did, how did that affect the setting? Actually, for me, the example that came to mind, for me at least, was uh, Berserk, with, with the uh, Rise of Griffith. <laughs> yes, that's a good example. And man, did he fall hard. Do you want to tell people that about again. <laughs> why, how that impacted the setting? Because that's what we want to get across, that they're not just coming to power, their decisions after that point changes things. Uh, let me see, with the case of, case of Griffith, he basically sacrifices his entire army to basically become a demon king, essentially. Yeah, I need so... to watch that show. So that not only affected... No, read it. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, the manga is really good stuff. Um, the In that case, the you see the the loss of an entire army, which is going to shift the balance of power instantly. Yep. Um, it's going to affect all the, the, the families of those uh, people in the army, which means now they're going to have to get a new army, and those are going to have to come from some people, so now you've got a forced... Or in this case, he kind of came back with a demon army. <laughs> Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, the point I'm trying to make is that that is an example of something that impacted the setting um, in a traumatic uh, fashion, right? Do you have anything else as far as a rising of a leader? The Dragon Reborn? That, that's, that's what I'm thinking. We have uh, the new Wheel of Time series just came, uh, the, the anime, or the, the movie or series came T- out. The TV show. The TV show, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's an example of a rise of a leader that talks about this prophecy that this person doesn't want to be involved in at all, but the whole world is stitched around him and this person's actions start to create waves and turn different people into different ways of thinking, which is exciting. Um, do you have any interesting, uh, if you've got a really favorite, uh, rising leader story, share it in the comments. Um, so let's move on to uh, number two. Ian, you want to tell us a little bit about this? The exact opposite. The death of a leader. All that begins must end. With the fall of kings and queens, the maps of the world are redrawn. Laws change and cultures are altered. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what I am. <laughs> Yellow. The fall, of a <laughs> the fall of a tribal warlord means one thing to the larger powers attempting to tame the land under one rule, and something entirely different to the tribe he ruled. When these people lived, they shaped their civilization and their culture, and when they passed on, the world wasn't the same in their absence. The attitude of the inhabitants shifts subtly at first and then changes dramatically as the people look back or reminisce about the, the times before. Um, when I was reading this, um, the first thing I thought of is, I don't know if you've ever watched the anime No Game, No Life. Yep. Um, no. but if you, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. It's, it needs, <laughs> there needs to be more episodes. It does. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, in the very, one early season, one of the kings dies and that leaves that part being filled by somebody else. Now the king was known to be a fool, right? And has completely driven this kingdom into the ground and the new person takes uh takes power and, and takes it in a different direction but you soon re- it soon's revealed that that was necessary the, the the foolish king actions were necessary in order to overcome an upcoming obstacle and it all unfolds really well so the way the people perceive the the new kings is not well they think they probably need a new way of ruling because the king almost cost him everything. Yep. I need to watch that. Oh my god, it's so good. I, I see it on those so, so many times. Like, eh. If you like, if you like um, <laughs> uh, intellectual type shows, it'll fucking pff, knock your brain off. What are some other examples of uh, uh, good uh, stories of deaths of a leader where it changed the setting? Well, w- once again, Game of Thrones. I guess that one's going to be a popular one that you can come back to. Specific example? Yeah, when the... Uh, when King Robert died, it literally split the kingdom into five separate factions, at least. <laughs> That's a really good example. And that, uh, and, and I can relate to that in, um... Like, really, at the end of the day, he was essentially a poor leader, but he was charismatic. Mm-hmm. And that charisma kind of did, kind that of held things together. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a good one. In the Stormlight Archives, yep. the start of the first book, the, the it talks about the, 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 the death of this king... And it shatters 
the um, princedoms into their own little factions mm-hmm. instead of being ruled under one king. And so they start squabbling amongst themselves, and it becomes a battle against those that were allies just moments before. So uh, I say moments, but it was you know it took years. But the whole the whole culture changed because of that. Do you have anything, Brandon? Uh, yes. Um, this is old school. It's going back to Magic Knight Ray Earth. Of um, I've not read that, but I've heard good things, and it sounds Agreed. like Ian too. Yep. Um. All right. So let's talk about the third one. Now, I think when it comes to world shaking events, this is the most common. A cataclysmic disaster. Earthquakes. Provided an opportunity to rebuild the city according to a modern plan. Most of the time, the disaster leaves only ruins, buried under ash like Pompeii, or sunk beneath the waves like mythical Atlantis. You can use real historical cataclysms in their history to bring ideas forth for your world's cataclysm. Mm -hmm. For instance, think of like uh, warping up the planet planes and magic gone awry, like a nuclear incident. Ooh. They're big events that unnaturally altered the land and society. Yeah, Chernobyl. I really, really like this. So I want the one thing I want to talk about here is cataclysmic disaster. One of the best examples of this is when I was uh, in for, uh, D&D, or not D&D, Final Fantasy XIV. When it first came out, the game was so horrible. The developers were like, all right, we got to redo this. We're going to put new people in charge. Well, what are we going to do about the current world? Eh, let's drop a meteor on it. That's literally what happened. Except for the meteor turned out to be a dragon sealed away as Bahamut busts free and rains hell fire everywhere, completely reshaping the land. Really their excuse for making it better? Let's just destroy it and restart? Yes. That's quite literally what happened. (laughs) But because of that, all the, the, the world itself changed. It looked different. And that was a really great example of a cataclysmic uh, disaster. Andrew says in Dragonlance series, there is a cataclysm where the gods drop a mountain on a holy city. That'll reshape their uh, beliefs instantly. <laughs> uh, cause port times to become inland, deserts to be developed in new seas, etc. Those are the types of things that I can be in. They don't have to take, and they don't have to be events that occur a thousand years ago. Once again, I want to go back to the Final Fantasy. When you start the game, it's ten years after that event. So it's fresh in everyone's mind. They still have family members that had died because of it and, and cities that were demolished. And they're still going through the recovery process. You can start your campaign when that's just happened. Or maybe it's about to happen and the whole goal is to figure out how can we stop it. If we can't, how can we survive it? Yeah, I just referenced in chat how when we were doing Dawn of Worlds, just me and you. Yep. Like, <laughs> you dropped a meteor on the uh, home volcano of my fire doors. <laughs> Oh, what did Yeah, because you were trying to take over my people, and you did anyway. But I say, all it really did was piss them off. Yeah, <laughs> um, any, uh, any other ideas for this? I think the flooding yeah. is a good one. If you really wanted to do an event like a a, a, a naval uh, style adventure, you could have it where the gods go to war and the city is flooded. So now everyone has to adapt and you know survive on boats and shit. Yep. Isn't that kind of the pre- isn't the premise? What is it? Two thousand leagues under the sea? No. You mean Waterworld? Maybe something like that, where they had yeah. to adapt. You guys got anything else? Yes, Waterworld. I was thinking uh, the Matrix and how the AI uprising happened, but that's more of a. I would say that that's a. It's more of an invasion. Yeah, that would be one of the the ones later, so we can talk a little. Actually, that's a one. That's a good segue. Why don't you uh, take a good that segue? Uh, number four is invasion or assault. One of the most common world-shaking events and, and oops, an invasion okay. occurs when uh, one group forcibly takes over another, usually by military strength, but also by infiltration and occupation. Well, an assault differs from an invasion in that the attacking force is not necessarily interested in occupation or taking power. On the other hand, an assault might be the first step of an invasion. Yeah, um, this is uh, something I think fits more along with what you were talking about. So, as a world-shaking event, an assault or an invasion makes a definite impact. Uh, I'm sorry, a definitive impact. It can't be just another military action, regardless of the scale. The incursion stands out because its repercussions change the character's world, and it affects resonate long after the initial attack or takeover. Like, um... The example of the Matrix is when it gets down to the pure core of the lore of that entire universe. Mm-hmm. It's that the AI it started gaining its own um, 
consciousness, like mm-hmm. self becoming self aware, and it got into all these arguments with humans, and they start fighting back and forth. Now, when you're watching the movies and you see the real world, the sky is always black. That's because human beings scorch the sky, scorch the sky, and they made it that way because they thought the robots always relied on solar power. Right, right. And then the robots turned around and said, okay, we're going to take humans, make humans, and make them our own power source. And so the whole world changes because of that. Now though it's a dark world, yeah, um, desolate except for machines that are automated and got people in tubes, right? Yep. That's a really great example of uh, like a, a high end of that where the invasion really changed the way the world was shaped and utilized. Do you have any examples, Ian? Like, remember in the Dune book series... <laughs> In the later books, the uh, galaxy as as we knew it suddenly got invaded by the other Matres, which was a religious order. Mm-hmm. But then you find out as you go along, oh, they sounds like they weren't conquering for this just for the sake of conquering. Sounds like they were running away from something even yeah. way worse. <laughs> That's uh. So there's there's a lot you can do with the invasion or assault. Oh, yeah. I think uh, in uh, uh, the I just hate to do the wheel of time again. But there's a group of people, uh, is it the Sean Chan? Yep. Um, they are, they're in an invasion, and that and, um, that and the, I think the, the Aiel War was, a, was an invasion where the whole world and everyone's perception of the way everything goes changed because of those events. Or at the very least, the people believed it was an invasion. <laughs> That's true. I'm not, I'm, That's all, I might I, not be far I, enough to know. I see what, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. Very, very, non-spoilerly description there um so yeah i think that this is a really good one because you can this can be a really great reason to introduce um new races or new um cultures to your world they come from a far off land isn't that in 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 um lord of the rings isn't that where the elves came sailed from somebody over wait Am I thinking, is it Lord of, no, yeah, Lord of the Rings, oh, right? right. Elves came from, uh, the elves came from somebody overseas. I don't know where it is because I only seen the movies, but yeah. they don't actually say where it comes, but it happened uh, in, uh, Aragon was like that too, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the elves came from some faraway place. That is, could be considered a quote unquote invasion. It doesn't have to necessarily be uh, aggressive, but it's going to change the, the way it uh, unfolds. Um, number five is Rebellion, Revolution, and Overthrow. Just to with the current order, a person or group of people overturns the dominant regime and takes over. Or, in some cases, fails to, to take over. <laughs> Scrubs. <laughs> January 6th. You would have just worked a little harder. <laughs> no politics. Regardless of the result, a revolution, even an attempted one, can shake the world and shape the destiny of... Nations. I would argue January 6th was not politics. That was Dude, move on. Just saying. We're D&D podcast. It's an event. d it, podcast, move on. That was an event. It was a world-shaking event. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe country-shaking event. Uh, no, I will in a medieval <laughs> fantasy world, hope not. revolutions are often bloody and brutal, but they need not always be. Nonviolent revolutions or overthrows, such as the Velvet Revolution in... Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia, yeah. Don't worry, baby. In 1980, fuck you. In 1989, uh, can occur as the results of a vote or mass protest. The scale of a revolution, no matter how many people, need not involve the common masses against nobility. A revolution can be as small as a merchant's guild revolting against its leadership or a church overthrowing its priesthood in favor of a new creed. The spirits of the forest might attempt to overthrow the forces of civilization in a nearby city that cut down trees for timber. Alternatively, the scale can be as uh, dramatic as humanity rising to overthrow the gods. There's a lot of really oh, good uh, examples of this. I don't want to get too much into like the Matrix things, but iRobot was a lot about this, right? Uh, in the, the, the sci-fi setting, the iRobot is the... AI decided humans are too dumb and unreliable to, 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 to manage themselves, so they need to be controlled. Sadly, they may not be wrong. Uh, right? There's, Isn't there a yeah. rebellion um, and revolution in France at one point? Yes. The French Revolution? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of revolutions. But it's usually, uh, it's usually under the guise of making some sort of improvement. While that's not always the case, it usually will, will shape the world in some way. I really like the idea of a merchant's guild saying... I'm tired of being controlled by uh, the. 
I'm not getting political. The government, which could be nobles, it could be whatever city of people is there, and say, we're no longer paying taxes. Well, that may seem, oh, easy, send the guards in. But what are you going to do when no food is coming in? When there's no trade for common tools and things that are needed for people to do their jobs. It completely can shut down the country as a whole. Um, and it might just be, we want less taxes, you know? Yep. So there's a lot you can do with that. Uh, the Like, there's like like five five more, but we're kind of nearing the halfway point right now. Yeah, so. but we also started later, too, because of problems. True. Um, so uh, next up, we're going to talk extinction and depletion. Something is gone from the campaign world. It once existed, now it doesn't. This might be a variety of plants, precious resources, mithril, adamantine come to mind, a wild game of the region, or an entire race or culture of people. This element can, uh, this element or creature is hunted or exploited to extinction, or else suffers some other fate that eliminates it from the part of the world, leaving behind nothing but its memory. This absence can cause a chain reaction of issues that can affect everything worldwide. I do appreciate a good post-apocalyptic campaign. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think this is a really good one because this is something that happens can ha- happen a lot and very easily, right? Um, you see it happen with mining, right? You go through and you mine something and it, it runs out. Oil, oil runs out, right? It's no different in your world. Maybe the weave has its limits. Yep. Uh, what is in Final Fantasy VII? The whole thing is the plant, the 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 big companies are sucking the um, life force from the planet to power everything, but it's killing the planet. Uh, it's a limited resource. No. Uh, okay, I'm actually thinking about the fact that once again I'm reading yet another Discworld book, and it's heavily touched upon the fact that. Hey, wizards, no women. And it's played off as a joke with me times, but it turned out like, oh, it turned out that wizards were, used to, to allow, allow to have kids in the past, but it led to so many magic users that tore the world apart. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that the theme of uh, the, the uh, no, that was the, the gods left in, is it Dark Sun or Dragonlance? I think. Which one was it that the, dra- the gods just ceased to exist? I feel like that's Dark Sun. So, um, uh, so that changes the way it works, right? The whole, the whole world becomes affected. If magic suddenly disappeared from a world based around magic, how would that affect the world? That would definitely screw over a few things, and goodbye clerics. Right. And like now, the, uh... Mitchell Adams says, oh, I love that. I commonly make dragonborgs extinct in my game worlds. What'd you say? I like the uh, interstellar idea. Yeah. That one's fun. I, going interstellar? Have you not seen interstellar? I have not. It's on my to-do list. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the it's a depletion issue, and that's that... We're killing the planet? No, it's not that we're killing the planet. It's that we've run out of food. Because we've genetically altered corn and all these vegetables and stuff so much that they just don't grow no more. Wow. So it's up to these uh, people to go through this wormhole in this different galaxy where we found several planets to try to find a new home. I love it. There's no reason you couldn't apply that into a local uh, continent, right? Where you have to expand out from the continent or connect into another realm. In sliders, there's uh, the world is dying in one of those. So they develop sliding technology so they can go and steal the resources from another plane. That's fucked up. <laughs> or shoot, that's like the whole point of like the orcs in the, the Warcraft ther- series. The planet that they came from was destroyed, so they basically planet hopping oh, yeah, from one to yeah. another. <laughs> I, told, I don't know how I didn't think about that. Yeah, that was the thing, though, when, the, when they uh, crossed over into Kalimdor. Uh, 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 so, uh, how about we... Do you want to touch on the New World Order, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> new World Order. We're not far off. The, founda- <laughs> the foundation of a new world... Of a new order. Kingdom, religion, society, cabal. Cable. Yeah. Or a cult can shake the world with its actions, doctrine, dogma, and policies. On a local scale, a new order contends with the existing power groups, influencing, subverting, dominating, or allying with them to create a stronger base of power. Large and powerful organizations can exert enough influence to rule the world. Some new organizations benefit the populace, while others grow to threaten the, the civilization they once protected. Um... Isn't the whole last Star Wars movie all about this, or the first one? Isn't it literally the name of the enemy, the New Order, or some shit? 
Something like that. And they're trying to reestablish their footing, and they're doing it in a very aggressive and dominating style. You're telling me to find out Palpatine's still alive? <sighs> Spoiler alert. It's that that moves down for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So uh, I think this is the most interesting, especially if you like uh, political intrigue, because watching... Uh, so in the Mistborn books, a r- entire religion reform forms around a character who is no god. But he uses... The way he acts and the way he... Um, uh, his message that he's getting out there becomes very popular. Yep. And um, and it's really funny. They call it the the Church of the Survivor. Yeah. Except the damn dude's dead. So figure that one out. But <laughs> well, actually, uh... it makes sense in the it makes sense in the theme. But I wasn't gonna get too much into it. Actually, he's not dead. <laughs> you have to go into the uh, wider Senate Senate works, but he's still alive. <laughs> I read them all. I don't remember that. Um, like you know you know the ghost bloods and the uh... <laughs> yeah that Kelsey is the leader. Huh. How'd you come to that conclusion? Because the because the other because some of the short stories already said so. Oh yeah, I haven't read <laughs> short stories. I should probably get on that. Um, all right, so uh, that's interesting. Uh, spoiler alert: <laughs> we're full of those today. So leading into, uh, I think that that's just a really fun one. You can have a lot, especially if you like the more political intrigue stuff. Um, so uh, next, uh, Brandon, do you want to tell us about? Uh, the Discovery Expansion and Invention. Discovery Expansion and Invention. New discoveries change the world. Discoveries of new lands expand the map and change the boundaries of empires. Yeah. Um, discoveries of new magic or technology expand the boundaries of what once was thought possible. New resources or archaeological finds create opportunity and wealth and set prospectors and power groups in motion to vie for their control. Um, you see this really, really often with um, the alchemy and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the more science-oriented type uh, guilds and stuff because their findings not only create things like black powder, but also they find new and interesting ways to evolve the world. I think Eberron is a really great example of that uh-huh. because it meshes the combination of magic and technology and it evolved because of new inventions, which pulls it out of that pure fantasy st- setting. So is there any other disco- is there any discovery or expansion ones you can think of? I mean, there's shitload of real world ones. Like yep. what? The bicycle, the light bulb. Yeah, those are inventions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Inventions. What about expansion? Expansion. Like, discoveries of new lands and stuff. I think that comes into play with World of Warcraft, like you were talking earlier, yep. right? Where the orcs come from the outlands into yep. the yeah. new area. And the Age of Exploration, too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Some good stuff. Ian, do you want to tell us about number nine predictions omens and prophecies is one of my favorites sometimes the foretelling of a world shaking event becomes a world shaking event in and of itself omens that predict the fall of empires the doom of races and the end of the world sometimes an omen points to change for the good a legendary hero or messiah but the most dramatic prophecies warn of future tragedies and predict dark ages yeah the um, end is nigh <laughs> Unlike other world-shaking events, the outcome doesn't happen immediately. Instead, uh, individuals or factions work to fulfill or avert the prophecy according to how it will affect them. The prophecy's helpers, or hinderers, are forces that create adventure hooks in campaigns by the actions they take. So, a prophecy should foretell a big event on a grand scale, since it will take time for that to come true, or to be, you know, averted. Doing to the wheel of time again... Ah! It's uh, prophesied that the Dragon, Dragon Reborn. Reborn is the only one who can stand against the Dark One. The problem with that, though, is the Dragon Reborn is the reincarnation of the one of the most powerful male magic users to ever live. But it's also but the catch twenty two is male magic users in this franchise tend to go insane. Yep, they get tainted by the Dark One. So like, so there's a whole thing like we just gotta save us. But he's also a powerful magic user. It might go nuts. <laughs> yep, and that's a really, really great example of that because the people are torn. They have two differing opinions on what is the best way to do it. Do we manipulate and control and leash this person so they work for us? Or 
do we let them evolve on their own and show them what guide them is the right or do we just kill them? And you get these different factions within the group that are trying to deal with that in different ways. And the sad part is with with many, if not most of them, you kind of see their point. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, all right. And the last one is myth and legend. Brandon, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Myth and legends. Sorry. It's cool. Thank you. Sometimes a world shaking event takes on mythic or legendary proportions. If wars, plagues, discoveries, and the like can be called regular world shaking events, these are the events that exceed and surpass them. The ones that came, the ones that come along only once in a millennium, if ever, and shape the world's mythic outlook for all of time to come. These wild card events change a region or a whole world <laughs> on a grand scale. Some forms uh, this may take could be a crashing comet, destruction of the moon. Uh, that's one of my favorites, personally. Another plane merging with the material realm. Hell yeah, creating a multiversal war. That sounds familiar right now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, so these are things that um, don't necessarily fall into some of the, the categories of, of the other ones that you can... Um, plug into here i think i like to think on a grander scale of like merging planes and stuff that's what i think when i think mythic and legendary type uh world shaking events <laughs> um, plane shaping shaking events you know um so there's there's obviously a lot you can do with these things and we hope that these provide you guys with some insight and now what you've all been waiting for our unearth tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Alright, so why don't we talk about our character concept today, Ian? Our character concept today is Raymond Stapleton. <laughs> he is an attractive man, lean and moderately muscular. He wears dark clothing and a heavy breastplate, keeping many of his physical features obscured. His brown hair is thinning, but still full. His uh, fair skin shows little sign of his aristocratic breeding. <laughs> uh, as far as his personality, he's highly sensitive about his name, Brandon, who started laughing as soon as we read his name, Stampleton. Uh, he loathes it, but will not take any guff about it from anyone. He cannot resist a sob story and will often dote over anyone who has one. So in other words, it's like a boy named Sue. Yeah. <laughs> His history is, uh, he's born in the north to a crown hair. Air. Air. Raymond Stapleton <laughs> learned a great deal about his father's area of expertise. He worked as a nervous crown hair and found it very stressful. He struck the crown hair job and began his own company from there. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a pretty simplistic uh, character. Um, you got his motivation. What's that? His motivation. He's got one more thing. Oh, does he? Do. His motivations. Sabotage a competitor and fight the greatest warriors and fight in the greatest battles ever. So his goal is to fight great warriors but screw them at the same time? Yeah. Okay. Is that a, is that a problem? <laughs> no. <laughs> Doesn't say. Uh, all right, so uh, so it's pretty straightforward. Use it as an NPC. Use it as a PC. I promise. The idea of him, like you, you seen uh, if you watched uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Every time the guy gets called tiny, uh, tiny or small, he freaks out. That's what I imagine Raymond Stapleton doing when somebody uh, gives him a, a hard time about his name, or he just <laughs> imagines somebody talking smack about it. Andrew says Raymond Stapleton going to get called Race Day as his nickname. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it for our uh, character com concept, Raymond Staple. What's up, Race Day? Uh, Stapleton. Our monster variant of the podcast is the Vadhadraga. The Vad... The Vahadraga. Hey. I hate myself. Why do I do this? Vadhagraha. 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 Yeah, let's go with that. Um, so this is one of the biggest monsters that I, we've, we've ever designed. Uh, you're going to start with the uh. Tarask uh, monster stat block, but it's going to lose its horns. It's going to lose Swallow and Chomp. We're going to give it new features. We're going to give it Fly. Yeah, because why the fuck not? Yeah, right? I mean, come on, Nan. <laughs> no? It's going to... Brandon, tell us a little bit about about the uh, uh, Vadhagraha. That's that how you say it. The Hagraha has three heads, 
While it has more than one head, the Vadhagaraha has advantage on saving throws against being blinded, deafened, stunned, and knocked unconscious. Yeah. Whenever the uh, Vadhagraha takes 100 or more damage in a single turn, one of its heads dies. If all the heads die, the creature dies. Ooh. At the end of its turn, it grows two heads for each of its heads that died since its last turn. Unless it has, takes fire damage since its last turn. The Vadhagraha regains 60 hit points for each head regrown in this way. I love what you said if all of its heads die, the creature dies because it actually says its name. He's like, fuck that, I'm not saying that again. <laughs> <laughs> Reactive heads. For each head, the creature has beyond one <laughs> it, it, it gets an extra reaction that can be used for opportunity attacks wakeful while the Vathagraha sleeps at least one of his heads is awake <laughs> I'm, well, I'm glad one of us can say it did you come up with the name? It's, it means like multi-headed something in Sanskrit I forget <laughs> wow okay um, we're gonna give it Omega Blast the Vadhagraha creates ten thin glowing beams of searing fire from its eyes. All of them. That, that track its targets. Each beam hits a creature of its choice that it can see within 120 feet. The beam deals 1d4 plus 1 fire damage to its target. The beams all strike simultaneously and the the Vadhagraha can direct them to hit it one creature or several at once but we're not done no nope. brandon do you want to tell us about its reaction uh, its reaction redirecting roar when vadhagraha is hit nice. by a ranged attack it can release a powerful sonic roar increasing its ac by two against the attack if the attack misses because of this increase because of this increase the vadhagraha a creature within 30 feet of it is chosen at random and becomes the new target for the at- for that attack Ugh. Use the original attack roll to determine if the attack hits the new target. So it's reflecting someone's attack to somebody else. <laughs> All right. So it's pretty obvious the inspiration is a uh, is King Hydra or King Ghidoria. King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah, whatever the hell a, its name is. Is that a Godzilla creature? Yeah. Yes. Mm, obviously, I can't call it that, though. <laughs> so what do you guys think about this besides it's terrifying? Is it beatable? Yes. Okay, then I like it. Just not by any players. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, hit it with 100 damage three times before it moves. We might be able to take it down because we'll cut off all three heads. Do you think the Omega Blast is too much? I think it's Ugh. too weak. Really? 1d4 It's is a ninth weak. level spell. Really? Doesn't mean all... Okay, just because you cast Magic Missile at ninth level doesn't, doesn't mean it scales to ninth level. That's been proven many times. <laughs> right, but still, it's at will. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and there's no attack roll it just hits right though oh. i did change it to fire because fire is highly resistant right it's easy to resist fire um the fact that its heads grow back um is a problem uh so it's a and it can fly possible maximum of what 50 points i don't know 150 i think is the min it does because you're talking about 10 glowing so if you assume uh it's 10 a beam goes 1d4 like plus 1 so it's five. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, well, a big, well, five is the max. It's so. a big yeah. mother effer. So yep. five times ten is fifty. Yeah, fifty HP. Yeah, that automatically hits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so obviously it's not the most potent of its abilities, but the one thing that the Tarask always didn't have was range attack. So I had to give it to him. Or so. flight. What do you guys think about it? I like the reflective ability. Oh yeah, that was that one seems like it'd be a lot of fun. Redirecting uh, attacks just by roaring at something. Yeah, that's totally not an uh, an anime move that I have pulled out. So, all right, I think that'll do it. Uh, that'll be enough of King, uh, or I mean, uh, the uh, Vadhagraha. There, that Vodhagraha. is Vadhagraha. 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 Uh, Brandon, would you like to tell us about our encounter of the podcast? Our encounter for this podcast is the end of an era. Natural disasters have been wreaking havoc on the world. The Temple of the Followers of the Light, led by the elf archmage Jelana Domain, 
she seeks powerful spellcasters to help her end the disastrous events. The followers of light indicate the disasters are not natural. They are the result of the seals that hold the world breaker weakening. It's been over 3,500 years since the final sealing. <laughs> the world's greatest wizards gathered to seal the Vadhagraha, the it. world breaker in its prison. <laughs> the four seals need to be filled with power and infused, or Vadhagraha will break three. <laughs> Each seal is locked away in a hidden temple and protected by the four elements. Earth, fire, wind, and water. Each of which heart Each of which is placed on powerful ley lines, conduits for <laughs> arcane power around the planet. <laughs> uh, you Captain Planet Captain We are Planeteers. You, you can, can be, be one too, because saving our planet is the thing to do. And that's why we go over time, people. The trial <laughs> consists of ten straight days of channeling arcane energy into the seals. Each temple is now the center of of a different kingdom. The resealing will release enough energy to destroy the capitals <laughs> of which the temple stand upon. Should Vahagraha break free from the prison, that is, the moon, the world will, qu will quite literally end and be reshaped to the world destroyer's desire. The what? Mo the moon is his prison? Yeah. That sounds so fucking cool. Plot twist. Powering up the seals actually powers up the Vadhagraha. And frees it. Oh, <laughs> shit. And the player characters have been tricked to believe it's the opposite. Or <gasps> or through the twisting of legends and retellings over the millennia, it got, got reversed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This has the makings of a campaign, you guys. That sounds cool. What do you guys think? Pretty good? Yep. Yeah. Uh, CR30, you don't want that bastard getting free because that's world ending right there. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for our encounter, the end of an era. Now, our measure M today is the chili minced cornbread. Ugh. A traditional traveling snack made with fresh steamed dough mixed with corn, rounded and baked. The bread is cut in half and hollowed out and filled with diced chili peppers and small chunks of peppered meat. Oh, damn. That sounds so, that sounds so good. Right? <laughs> Oh, wondrous item. Rare. This delectable meal was magically infused by the chili peppers that were grown in an area filled with the ashes of a dying fire elemental. Damn, that's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> there is enough bread for, bread for one use. When you spend one minute eating the cornbread, you gain advantage and resistance to cold damage as well as you are immune to the effects of extreme cold temperatures. Additionally, you can cast the Dragon's Breath spell a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. What? This effect lasts up to one hour. Spells such as Dispel Magic or similar effects will end this magical effect. What do you think about my magical gourmet? I want to eat it. I want to eat it. I know you do. <laughs> Dude, I bet we could totally make it. Yeah. So I just bought habaneros. We can make it. So, if you guys like stuff like this, I, I'm wondering if this is a something people would like to see a lot of. This is probably the fourth one I've done. I remember the Fae Bread and some other ones, but yep. if this is something that you would like to see more of, please let me know. Comment in the commenty thingy down below. Um, uh, so, yeah. All right. Overall, this is pretty fun. What do you guys think about the mechanics? I like the idea that you get Dragon's Breath because it's, like, really hot. <laughs> And the Ten gold points to the wife. We need more recipes. Anybody play Final Fantasy 15? Oh my god. I, I discovered a new recipe. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, uh, I, I get it. I, uh, to this day, still want to make a character whose life goal is to make the world's greatest grilled cheese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you saying? Uh, I can't remember. The fact that it lasts for one hour and you get Dragon's Breath for that amount of time? Yeah. Well, you're limited to how many times you can still use it, though. Uh, based on your proficiency bonus. Yeah. Yes, but so it's the fact that it's so damn hot that you just... <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. It reminds me of that episode of Simpsons where uh, uh, um, uh, Homer oh, eats drinks. the nu nuclear pepper and he goes to eat ice cream and it melts before <laughs> he gets to his stomach. <laughs> Anyways, I really like this. Uh, I'm not... In include an actual recipe. Who do I look like? Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> I don't think so. I'll make but one. I appreciate it. All right, I think that'll do it for yeah. our chili minced cornbread. Look at pasties. pasties. That's exactly what a pasty is. Well, except for the cornbread part, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, just made with cornbread. I thought we'd use a type of bread. How do you not know what that is? That's a Michigan 
recipe. Who are you talking to? You. I didn't say I didn't know what a pasty is. I literally have gone to the place in Frankenmuth more than once. Uh, I, I swear I what you say. What's uh, fair do? warning, it's spelled the same way as pasty, so careful what you Google. <laughs> <laughs> Get some nasty, nasty stuff. All right, let's move on to our Dungeon Master tip. Yep, our Dungeon Master tip today is the Tabletop Music Companion, which isn't really access. Oh, really? There's no denying that audio tracks can make D&D much more engaging. Having multiple tracks to easily change during the uh, situation really helps set the atmosphere. But what if you could do so easily at the press of a button? Change from one track to the next that represents the situation, not just the location. Really? Catching the atmosphere? Tabletop Music Companion nails this. Alright, so uh, I want to take a second. Um, this, this, this product. I, I'm going to get through the spiel first. Um, so let's say that the characters seek the villain's lair. You can open up with the boss battle audio and then set the atmosphere to outside. And as the music begins, during the trek, the characters stumble across, let's say, excellent herbs for potions of healing. So you simply press the uh, simple uh, find button, the lucky find button, and it plays a congratulatory sound and a smooth transition back into the atmosphere. As they close into the lair, the ranger leads them into a monstrous beast that gives chase. Pressing the hunted button changes the music to match the tone and pace of the thing chasing you. Huh. This music progression continues all the way to the big bad boss battle. Once you select the encounter music, you can start with the neutral option as the battle begins. As the characters close in on victory uh, or begin to get their hide handed to them, whichever one you want to go, <laughs> there is yet another track to select for this situation. This even further engages the players and the audience. What a powerful tool. We highly recommend it. This takes your music track to the next level. Alright, so I have to say there are a lot of ways to play music in D&D. This is new, it's in the works, but I like that you don't have to pre-set up any sort of um, playlist. It just has different audio tracks for the setting and rotates between them as you activate them. And I really, really like this. It's an app on the phone right now. I did ask if he plans to bring it to desktop, and he did say that it depends on how successful it is. Consider going and checking it out um, and leaving feedback on his TikTok, his Twitter, or whatever you know, platform you're using. Uh-huh. Um, this program is really, really cool, and right now as early access, it's free. Um, and if you happen to find any errors, just let them know so we can fix them. It's really, really, I love, I love it. It's cool. I love using music in my games. Yeah. It really just adds to it. It does. Um, all right. So that'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dick too by using obsidian notes. Holy shit. You guys, I've this powerful note taking software allows you to easily string thoughts, concepts, and ideas together. Simply hyperlinking and then creating a visual line showing what all is connected to it, much like a digital conspiracy board. If you're looking for an easy way to connect NPCs, quests, factions, and pretty much anything else together, this is certainly the tool to do it. Oh, and you know what? It's 100% free. (laughs) You have to try this out. I have only just started playing with it, and it it blows me away. It very much, I mean... If I want to know what's connected to, say, uh, a magical sword. So, the magical sword connects to this NPC. This NPC connects to this quest. This quest then connects to the player that I want to get it. Um, and it all strings together, and it's freaking nuts. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look I've, at I've it. I've seen it on TikTok. So. It's yep. amazing. Um, check it out right now. Like, as soon as the show's over, go go check it out. <laughs> It's, it's super convenient for uh, people who take notes. Yes, um, for players and DMs alike. Um, and if you if you have if you're like me and have trouble tracking shit, um, it is amazing because you can zoom out and it looks like an atom, right? There's just lines and dots everywhere. It's very yeah. Cool. It's funny because the last uh, TikTok I saw was me watching one of my players using uh, Obsidian notes and realizing and putting putting together the storyline to figure out who the actual big bad guy is. He's sitting there, uh, taking his notes. He's looking up at the monitor and going. He's able to figure it out. Oh my god. Then the DM looks like that look like. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's very cool. Um, you, you definitely got to give it uh, give it a shot. I just keep picking the uh, conspiracy board from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> is that is that the is that the meme? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. The guy's like. <gasps> yep. Sorry. 
<laughs> All right, using, that'll do it. What? Using Obsidian Notes is not an automatic uh, inspiration point. Just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that'll do it for our player tip. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by using Obsidian Notes. Now, yeah. before we go to our giveaway, I'd like to take a minute to uh, say if you really enjoyed the, the main topic of world-shaking events, please consider going to our blog. There is a link to the actual... Um, text or the blog text to the i think there's a link there to the uh file um for the dragon magazine book or dungeon magazine book whichever one it was um pick it up so (laughs) what if your character has an intelligence of 20 but you have an end score of eight obsidian will allow your roleplay to be better (laughs) (laughs) that's funny all right so uh brandon would you like to tell us who's our lucky winner of the rpg fat loot giveaway here at crit academy all the weapons by sean vastera a collection of magic weapons for those who want more than just swords featuring a total of 228 new magic weapons holy shit that's a lot there's it's a lot Covering the entire simple and martial weapons tables detailed in the player's handbook. From clubs and slings to whips and nets. Nets are really cool. Each weapon type features six magic items across the rarity spectrum. From simple combo weapons to legendaries of myth. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Our winner is Robert Dot Jameson. If you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. And you'll get a free copy of our best-selling Challenge Accepted. All right, somebody is asking a very important question. When is our next Clash of Classes? We haven't penciled it in, but the plan is to try to do it every two weeks. So look forward to maybe seeing one in uh, two Thursdays. Um, if you don't know what Clash of Classes is, it is quickly becoming our most popular, uh, show. Come and join us. We're still working on the kinks, but man, is it a lot of fun. We pit currently, at the time, we pit 1v1 players against each other in, uh, an arena with monsters, and the ending of the last one, the tactics the player used just demolished the other player. Um, and that just goes to show that it's not necessarily the powers but the way you apply them and the strategies that you use. So, if you enjoy the show and want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media and leave us a review everywhere. Five stars, it just it helps us out. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube right now, hit that subscribe. If you're watching on another platform, go to YouTube and hit the subscribe. Hit the like, <laughs> subscribe button, notifications. Get up! Yeah! Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yours was a little low. You can try again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a little better. We'll give it to him. That's a plus one blade right there. All right. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Yes. Thanks for listening. Keep, Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. That does sound so much better. To a crown, hair, air, 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 hair, air, Brandon, hair, hair, air, hair. That word. Whatever. I said it right the first time.